Would you please all turn with me to 1 John, chapter 3. John's first letter, and we're in chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 3 of 1 John, chapter 3. And it starts, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our health. Thank you we can be here this morning. Thank you we can look at what your word has to say to our hearts. And I pray that we would allow your word to work in our hearts, to convict us of our sin, um, to bring us to salvation, but also to sanctify us and to help us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So Father, please help us to listen, help us to hear what your word has to say, and be with me, Father, as I deliver your message. Be with me in a way that I would be faithful and clear and understood. So Father, have mercy upon us. Thank you again. We can be here this morning. Thank you again. We can look at the scriptures and then they can build us up in Christ Jesus. Have mercy upon us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully this morning, as we look at this very short passage, I want us to see how amazing God's love is for us. Do you and I see how amazing God's love for us is? Have we ever pondered, have we ever reflected to see how amazing God's love is for us? Or, we're going to sing a hymn as we close just now, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Have you ever reflected on to see how deep the Father's love for us is? You know, we look at God's creation. We look at Aranki's Corp. We look at the beautiful mountains around us. And we know that God has created this world. We know that He's created us in His image, after His likeness. And for us to rule and be His representative here in this world. And for Him to do that shows that He loves humanity. We know that God makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. That shows He loves the world. And I'm not going to get caught up in now with the election, but He does love the Christian different to how He loves the non-Christian. But God genuinely loves the world. Otherwise the rain would just fall on the farmer that's the Christian. And no rain would fall on the non-farmer, the non-Christian farmer. But God is a just God. And we need to see that God loves. But let's be honest that the believer and the unbeliever see God's love differently. The world has a different definition for God's love. 
And the church has the true definition for God's love because we get that from the scriptures. When we think of the world and we think of how the world sees love and they see love very differently, we know that a lot of the world's love is expressed through songs. And the world sees love as a feeling to play on our emotions. And most love songs, they describe love as a longing, a passion or a craving that is never quite satisfied. They do not, they give a lot of feeling towards the word love. And so they will end up with love that is coated in sentimentalism. And we know as the church, when we look at the word love, we see it differently. Why? Because God's word, the scriptures help us to see love through God's word. Because love is at the heart of God's character. We know that God is a God of love. The fact that we yearn, the fact that we saved. But if you want to look to a passage of scripture that describes God's love without emotions or feelings, well, we have to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. There, Paul helps us to understand this. He writes, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Today we could be very irritable because of this heat. And maybe even resent living in Robertson and wish we could be living by the coast. So love is not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And once you've read that, we can say this kind of love cannot be an emotion or a mere feeling. Love is like I said, at the heart of God's character. Love for the believer involves the mind. In other words, the love Paul writes about is a thoughtful, willing commitment. We know how much this heat can irritate us and frustrate us, but we can't allow it. Because love has told us, love is not irritable. Maybe we can also say love is not frustrated. We need to love with the fact, and the fact is God has helped us to love through feelings and emotions. We love because God loved us first. That's the reason why we can love. And we know that God showed us His love through Jesus. 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And Jesus loved by giving of himself. God demonstrated his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. 
There's a demonstration. God didn't say, I love you guys, and then sit back and, and leave us to ourselves. Jesus told his disciples, he told his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That's love. Love is serving. Love is sacrificially serving. Lay down your life. Are you giving sacrificially of your time? Are you giving sacrificially, helping meet needs, encouraging people? To be here this morning in church in this heat is a sacrifice. It's easy just to stay home in the cool of the house and say, well, I'm not going to church this morning, it's too hot. You've made a sacrifice. But when it comes to serving, love is giving of oneself. And, and Jesus demonstrated that. He not only gave himself to his own people, he sacrificed himself for our sins. And Jesus showed how amazing God's love is for us. And if you want to know that, we just have to look to Jesus to see how amazing God's love is for us. And this morning, I want to remind us of two facts from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And I want us to see how amazing God's love is for us. It's been amazing for me to be reminded and refreshed of these things because they go to sleep in our minds if we're not keeping our minds renewed in the Scriptures. So we want to look at God's love. And if you want to know, our love in the Greek is agape. And it's an act of self-sacrifice. It's not a feeling. It's a verb. It's doing something. It's, it's, we got to do something. That's why when we see someone they need, it's easy to pat them on the back and say, I'll pray for you, go well. Love is to say, how can I help? Where can I meet your need? Oh, I can't meet it like this, but you know what? I can talk to other people and see how we can help you. Love is an action. It's not just mere words and patting people on the back and saying, I'll pray for you, all will work out fine. There is no self-seeking in God's love. There's no pride, no selfishness, no self-glory or vanity in God's love. But let's look at our first fact to remind us to see how amazing God's love is for us. And the first fact is we are children of God. When last have we spent some time thanking God that we are His children? Or you are a child of God? And to be a child of God, to be children of God, which we read in verses 1 to 2 of 1 John chapter 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Now to help us to, to see how amazing God's love is, we should ask ourselves the question, and this question is, is was it necessary for God to save any people at all?
Did God have to save anybody at all? And if we look at a scripture we read in, in, in Peter's second letter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So when we see that God did not spare angels when they sinned, we realize that God in His perfect justice could have chosen to have left us in our sins, awaiting judgment. What He did to the angels, He could have done exactly for us when Adam and Eve sinned. But once God chose to save us, then we have to say, now it's necessary for God to save us people and hopefully if you see where we could have gone to and God could have not chosen to save anybody but he has decided to that should make us see how amazing God's love is for us because once God in his love and justice decided to save people like I said, it's necessary for God to save people. People who He's called through His Son, Jesus Christ. If we look at this verse, when God saved us, we automatically became or called children of God. That is so amazing that we are called God's children. That we are children of God. Now the question is, again, that's positive. But if we have to look at the negative, we can ask ourselves, who were we before God saved us? Who were we before God saved us? Whose children were we before we became God's children? We were children of Satan. We were of our father, the devil. How do we know that? Well, there was a time when Jesus spoke to the scribes and the Pharisees and he said to them, You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. So in one sense, before we became children of God, we were children of Satan. Or we were sons of disobedience. Paul helps us to see that as well in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Wow, that's amazing. We were once dead in our sins. We were once sons of disobedience. We were once children of Satan. But because of God's great love and His rich kindness, 
We are now children of God. But I can read some more scripture to show us how much trouble we were in before God saved us. And Paul wrote to the church of Rome in Romans chapter 3 verses 10 to 12. He said, none is righteous, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. There is no hope for us. There is no hope for us. Just like the Israelites when they were running from the Egyptians and they came to the Red Sea until God opened up that Red Sea, there was no hope for them. But God in His love and grace opened up the Red Sea for them to pass through and when the Egyptians passed through, He closed that Red Sea on them and saved His people. How amazing is God's love for us. How did the Israelites become God's children or God's people? Deuteronomy 7, 7 helps us. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. The Israelites became God's people because He chose to set His love on them. And we, as Christians today, are God's children because He has chosen to set His love on us through His Son, Christ Jesus, who died on the cross to forgive our sins, to bring us to our Father. And this is what we hear when we, when we read the rest of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. See, again, because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were children of disobedience, even when we were children of Satan, God has saved us because of His love that He has put upon us and that He has loved us with, through Christ, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Again, God saved us because of His great love with which He loved us. How amazing is God's love for us. And then we read this in what? In, in John's first in John, sorry, in John chapter 1, in John's Gospel. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God gave the right for us to become children of God. That's amazing. He gave us the right to become children of God, all because of His love. 
the great love with which he loved us. Like someone said, a love that he gives graciously and freely to us who are utterly undeserving of it. No one here is worthy of God's love. No one here deserves God's love. But God, in his rich mercy and rich kindness, chose to love us. And he demonstrated that love through his son Jesus Christ, who he sent to die on the cross for us. He was the perfect sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice, to bring us to him. Do we see what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called the children of God. The more we see this kind of love that God has given us, the more we will long to love God and love our neighbor. The love of God will stir us up. It will control us. It will cause us to do things. When you, when you hear the words called children of God, what, what does it mean we are called children of God? It means something far greater than what we would expect. It's by God's grace, love and mercy, we now have been adopted into His family. No conditions. Think about it. If Catherine and I went to adopt a child, we will have conditions. We will say, we want maybe these color eyes, this color hair, a boy, not a girl, or a girl, not a boy. This is what we want. But with God, it's unconditional. It doesn't look at what you've done in the past. None of that. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in your life. He sets his love on you and he saves you and you become one of his children and you are adopted into his family. No conditions. That is God's love and mercy and grace. Look at Paul, who was called before Paul, Saul. What was he doing? He was persecuting Christians. He was putting them in jail and having them executed. And if we were there at the time, we would probably be praying that somehow Paul would get taken out, that God would send lightning on him and destroy him. And maybe some would be praying for his salvation. And there on the road to Emmaus, God, on the road to Damascus, God saved him. God set his love on him in spite of his sins. There are no conditions attached to God's saving grace. And we are called children of God and we belong to God. We are in His family. And it's lovely to hear that's all because of His great love for us. How amazing is that love. But if you read the rest of verse 1, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. To be a child of God, for us to be children of God, to be the church, there are going to be consequences. 
There is going to be suffering. We are going to experience the world's hatred. Why? Because Jesus has told us, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And the reason why the world does not know us is that, like it said, it did not know Him. And we saw that in that verse, John 15, 18 to 20. And it makes it hard for us to live in this world. It makes us hard to, to share the truth with this world. Because the world hates us. The world wants to tell us how to live. And there are times when we can listen to the world. But we have our worldview, and our worldview tells us how we're supposed to live in love and harmony with one another, caring for one another, sharing. And when you read that verse, at the end of verse 1, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. It does put temptation on our walk with God. And it kind of makes us want to go the way of the world sometimes because it's a lot easier than walk that narrow road holding fast the gospel of Christ. But we have to hold the, the gospel of Christ fast. We have to hold on to these truths because we're told, beloved, we are God's children. Now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. And that's, as we live in this world, we should be working on our purity, which we, Lord willing, we'll look at next week, which is our holiness, which is our sanctification, so that when He appears, we will be like Him. Because the world is going to put pressure on us, and, and we might not look like Him, because we seem to compromise and go the way of the world. We are God's children. And we know that He's going to appear. He's going to come back for His bride, the church, for His children. But He has not yet appeared. Or we, or it says, and what we will be has not yet appeared. That's probably our glorified bodies. When we meet with Christ, uh, our, our transformation is going to take place into His likeness. But that's our hope. When we are going through hard times, difficult times, our hope is, as God's children, that Jesus is going to appear. And He's promised us, at the end of the age, He is going to return to this earth. And when He returns, we will see Him as He is. God will transform us into His likeness. That's the goal of our salvation. We are working towards that. Do we see how amazing God's love is for us? We are children of God. And this first fact that reminds us of how amazing God's love is for us, are we challenged to see it? Do we see what kind of love the Father has given to us? Knowing that we're undeserving, unworthy, 
And hopefully now that we've been reminded of this first fact, that we are children of God, from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, to see how amazing God's love is for us, hopefully we will be challenged to see this truth. And we would look to the cross, because there the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins, to deliver us from the present evil age, and for us to live to righteousness as children of God. So we have a choice. We can either live man's way, children of Satan, or we can live God's way as children of God. The choice is ours as we profess to be Christians. We need to look at the scriptures and we need to be so grateful and thankful for God's love that he set upon us and saved us through his son. And that's how he demonstrated his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How amazing is God's love for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word can remind us of your love. It can remind us of your kindness, your goodness. But Father, please forgive us for we do sin. We do forget your amazing love. Help us to see how amazing your love is for us. Help us to embrace this fact that we are children of God all because of your love that you set upon us through your son Christ Jesus who you sent into this world to die to forgive our sins, the righteous dying for the unrighteous to bring us to you. Father, please be merciful, be gracious to us. As we sing this next hymn, how deep the Father's love for us, help us to listen to the words, help us to embrace these truths and hold fast your amazing love that you've set upon us. So we are called your children. Father, help us. Thank you again for Jesus. Thank you again for your love, that you've poured out this love into our hearts to help us to love you and love one another. Help us to lay down our lives and to serve and to give because we are your children and we should be living differently to the children of the world. Help us, Father. Forgive us. We're not perfect. Be merciful. Be gracious to us. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.